Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson and... Dave Pendleton. Dave Pendleton. Dave, welcome. So... I heard Dave say something the other day to a customer on the phone, I think it was, or in the office or something like that, and I liked it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to have to pick your brains on a podcast about this. And I believe, Dave, that the term was, you have to be aware of the dirty tricks of negotiation. And I liked it because, yeah, when you think about negotiations, right, in any format, whether you're buying, selling, or even just negotiating your ideas or your concepts, there are manipulative, dirty tricks that people will use to get their own way. Absolutely. It's sort of part of the art of negotiation, right? But what I liked about your approach is you were saying to someone, if you understand the dirty tricks that can be applied or deployed on you in a negotiation, then you'll become wise to it, and then you'll have the ability to potentially respond knowing full well what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If you can identify a dirty trick when somebody's purposefully trying to do it, you can certainly negotiate around that dirty trick, counteract the dirty trick or avoid it altogether. Love it. Right. How many dirty tricks do you know of? I mean, is there hundreds? Is there many? Uh, is there? I'm guessing there's many, but I'm guessing there's probably some that reoccur more than others. Yeah, there are definitely some that that, that come around more frequently. Um, there are some that are applied purposefully. Yeah. Um, there are some that are, I would definitely categorize them as dirty tricks, but sometimes it's just very poor negotiation uh, tactics or strategy. Yeah. And and yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is there a difference between a dirty trick in negotiation and a, and a negotiation technique? Yeah. Because a lot of these dirty tricks we know can be taught in courses, right? They train people to, to deploy the dirty tricks, but... I think you're categorizing as a dirty trick when people are deploying something for their own personal gain. Purposefully. Purposefully. And not trying to create what you always call a win-win outcome. Absolutely. It's when you're trying to get one over, basically. Okay. Just, Mike, give me an example of a dirty trick. Okay. So uh, the the listeners know what we're talking about. I've got four examples. Okay. Uh, uh, And from my experience of working in and around negotiation, they're probably the most commonly found four. And... um, Certainly three are purposeful and the fourth could be either purposeful or just poor technique. Yeah. Either way, it's still not it's, it's counterproductive. Still there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So the first the first one I'll give you an example of is something that we just call higher authority. It's a higher authority dirty trick. So the process up to the negotiation has been um, collaborative. It's been great. We understand why we're meeting. We understand what types of issues we're going to negotiate. We've got a loose idea about the type of deal that we're going to try and do. Um, Indeed, the meeting goes well. Um, You know, both parties are negotiating effectively and collaboratively. And right at the very end, when we're looking for some kind of verbal handshake, we've got to the end of the deal and we're both smiling. The other party says something like, that's great, fantastic, but I'm going to have to take this away and show it to my boss. Yeah. And you know what? It's one of them, and we always talk about it in sales, you have to understand the power. You know, who's the power? Absolutely. But very rarely do people play that 
you know, if they're in a negotiation, do they give that away? And like you say, right at the end of the process, it's just dropped on you as a bot. It's deflating to hear that. It's like we've all been there, but it's deflating to hear. Mm. I'm going to have to now run this by the, past the CFO or the FD. Well, why didn't you bloody tell me that three weeks ago, right? Yeah, we could have absolutely. got the CFO in then, right? Yep. Okay, so that's – it's a dirty trick because do you think sometimes it's the truth or it's just a way of, of – of of trying to get mm. something else from the seller as an example. Well, I think there's a couple of things behind this. I mean, you rightly identify that, you know, we really need to talk to the right people either in sales or negotiation, you know, and if, if we are to go through the whole process of a face-to-face negotiation, carrying out the preparation and planning all the elements of the deal and so on and so forth, we need to be doing it with the right people. So at the end of it, we can shake hands and say, great, I want to, I w- I'm going to really look forward to working with you and vice versa. Mm the last thing you want is to feel as though you've had your time wasted and feel deflated as you, as you rightly point out. So, so he's, he's the question to ask at the beginning is, yeah, are you the person that can shake my hand at the end of it? Love it. because Before you even get into it. And this is your tip. So on the higher authority dirty trick, I, you get to the end of the process and I'm going to have to now go and get this signed off elsewhere or get someone else's buy-in. Yeah. Your tip for avoiding this actually puts a bit of accountability back on the person. Earlier on in the process, don't be afraid to ask the question around power. And it doesn't have to yeah. be something like, oh, by the way, can you sign this off? Because mm. that, that can – you're trying to build relationship and rapport. You don't want to – too direct. Yeah, it's too direct. Sure. You don't want to steam in and undermine someone's yeah, ability yeah. to. But don't assume either. Sure. Value-selling value uh, methodologies. Um, I, I was trained in value-selling at Gartner, and it is still one of the best – sales methodologies and that had the power element in the five principles that had power you yeah. have to establish power earlier on correct and how you do that has to be subtle but yeah is there anybody else involved we in need this, to bring in involved in yeah, this decision sure. uh, you know just out of interest do you hold your own budget or mm. it can be intrusive but if done correctly it can avoid the higher authority data trick at the end absolutely now if if someone is being a little bit uh clever with this and they're they're keeping it in their back pocket on purpose. So the minute they say, I have to go to the FD, it puts you under pressure and they might be fishing for more price points or discounts or whatever it might be. That's a very difficult situation to get yourself out of in the moment, isn't it, if we haven't established it? Well, basically, if somebody's doing this on purpose, they're angling for a cheaper or better about deal price. from them. Yeah. Because whether they have to take it to the FD or they're a senior or not, that is the reason for leaving the room without shaking your hand. Mm. So it may be genuine, it may not. Uh, if it is genuine, of course, you feel a bit disappointed and deflated. However, if that is genuinely the case and they absolutely have to get this cross-checked by a senior authority, there's a couple of things that I would absolutely advise you to do. Okay. The, fir- the very first thing is be very, very clear and map out the deal that he is taking away to show to the higher authority and make sure you gain agreement. This is where we are at the end of today. Is this what you are going to show to your FD, to your senior leader, whatever it might be? So that's the first thing. Be clear on where you are up to now so far. Hmm. And also be very clear before you leave the room, before you finish the negotiation, that if the FD or the senior leader actually wants to change any elements of the deal, then the whole deal will need revisiting because each element of the deal is intrinsically linked to the next, as we talk about on some of the videos Mm. around trading and movement and concessions and so forth. All the elements are intrinsically linked to the next, and you should never, ever negotiate on a single issue in isolation. 
Yeah. So, for example, if the FD comes back and says, no, it's too expensive, if we can change the price, the rest of the deal stands, you have to take that away and understand where that movement on price reflects into the rest of the deal and what the implications are. For example, training with us, if you're significantly reducing the price, then I have to look at the number of days and hours consultants are going to spend on the project, right? You can't just deal with one element without there being a repercussion on the other. Um, yeah, or you, you couldn't just say, okay, well, well listen, we, we'll never charge you for, for travel. Yeah. If they ask you to go to Kuala Lumpur <laughs> yeah. unexpectedly, yeah. of course, then all of a sudden you're out of pocket for that yeah. day. And that's when the deal turns from an agreed deal to a bad deal. So two two tips on this then. Um, if the higher authority dirty trick, it's ask yourself the question, you, you could actually eradicate and avoid this by doing your diligence earlier in the yes, process absolutely. and being brave and asking and clarifying the decision-making process, the power, yep. the sign-off, the budget holders, Correct. et cetera, so you, don't, you avoid getting there. Sure. Secondly, if you get there, two tips from you there around, okay, so what does this mean for me now? Where do I go from here? Yep. Um, okay, cool. Right, dirty trick number two. Give me another example. Uh, again, it's just a real straightforward title. It's called add-ons. 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 Uh, and again, it usually comes towards the end of the negotiation, towards the end of the process. And when you are reiterating the deal that you think has been formed between the parties involved, somebody will throw a cheeky little, oh, I tell you what, let's just do another five pence off that and we'll call it a deal. Or can you give me... Even if it's not priced, they'll say, can you, give can an you, extra throw, can you chuck or... in an extra couple of one-to-ones yeah. or an extra couple of software licenses or whatever it might yeah, be? Yeah, in, yeah. in our day, in, in our business, could you just chuck me an extra day in and we'll sign it off? Yeah. So it's just that last chance saloon of see if I can get an extra See if I can get a little book. bit more yeah. out of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and the way to avoid that, it, similarly, is with the higher authority thing. It, it's just understand that all of those things are intrinsically linked. If I give you an extra day's training, so mate, if you give me an extra day's training for free, what is the knock-on effect of the price? Because essentially, that reduces the markup on all of the other elements that you make money on. Mm. So we've got to understand, can I do that or should I revisit the whole thing and renegotiate the Mm. deal again? And I guess though, Dave, there might be some instances where it might be appropriate, where you can get away with it, where whatever the add-on is, it is not directly going to impact time or money or profit of the deal. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and as I, long as you can understand that in the moment and, and, it, and it, it doesn't detract from the main elements of the deal and you know that it's relatively risk-free, then, then you can agree to it. Yeah. But you must be 100% certain and positive that it's not going to have a knock-on effect on the profitability of the deal. Yeah. An example of this is I always um, I always am quite harsh and direct on organizations because usually the add-on at the end of a deal for many organizations it can be payment terms. Yeah. Right, we'll do the deal, but I need 90 days instead sure. of 30, sure. or I need 60 days. And sometimes a company, to win the contract or to win the deal, will go, yeah, we'll do it, mm. right? Mm. But if you're an organization who who incurs cost up front, yeah. say you're in construction or transport or whatever it might be, yeah, yeah. the the impact of agreeing that 90 days mm. payment is foolish. Absolutely. Because I always say to organizations, you can survive without profit, but you cannot survive without cash. Without cash flow, yeah. So so the, the impact of agreeing to that add-on of just chuck us an extra, extra bit of leniency on the payment terms 
can have a, a mass can it can blast a hole in your cash flow yeah absolutely within two months yeah. right yeah, so yeah, yeah, absolutely that's what you're saying mm, if yeah. it can be achieved and you're 100 percent sure it can be without a, to, to the detriment of time cost or profit you can do it yeah but just don't get railroaded into it you have to 100 percent be confident that it won't yeah and then and then alone agree and shake hands mm, but if it. you are unsure you've got to revisit yeah love it Okay, third dirty trick. Uh, I find this one really quite entertaining. It's, it's the good cop, bad cop scenario. Right. The good guy, bad guy. The good guy will always lead off. The bad guy will always sit quiet with his arms folded, you know, with what we might class as negative body language, nodding potentially, huffing and puffing here and there as you and you know, the other parties, the positive parties are trying to negotiate your way through the deal and reach agreement. And then suddenly out of nowhere... The, the, the bad guy, the bad cop chirps up with something quite um, negative or potentially even offensive. Uh, and this, nine times from 10 in my experience, is always a tactic to knock you off balance. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't even have to be, Dave, aggressive. You can just have two people in a meeting or in a negotiation where one is going on the journey and wants to do the deal and the other one is the one who's asking a lot of questions and wanting to clarify a lot of things and even on a softer level that still represents the dynamic you're talking around because sure. you as a yeah. as a person trying to do the deal or close it's thinking well I've I've got you but this person could be the showstopper right yeah either way um that when people are buying it brings it brings balance to the situation if you've got good cop, bad cop, if that makes sense. So it's tr it's difficult for a negotiator on the other end, certainly if you're alone in isolation and you're against two people, sure, right? Absolutely. So you got any tips for this? How do you hmm. advise people to navigate this, either a salesperson or someone who's negotiating a deal with two people, one's playing good cop, one's playing bad cop? Yeah, uh, yeah a, a classic example of how to maybe neutralize the, the bad guy or certainly try and bring him around to a slightly more positive way of thinking, or, or even if it's been done on purpose to unpick the nonsense that this, this this person's potentially coming out with, is to ask very direct questions. So if they ask you or propose something that's really quite stupid and not very nice, just ask a very, very polite question on, do you mind me asking how you came to that conclusion? And ask for an explanation. Ask for the rationale behind it. Yeah. So if it's just a if it's just a ploy to keep you on your toes and get a better deal, they're gonna feel they're gonna the, the pressure is gonna be reversed on them if they can't justify why they're asking the questions. If it is absolutely. just surface level challenges, sure. right? Yeah, absolutely. And as long as you're not obnoxious, defensive, uh, no, or not, your tone yeah. is not None anything other than inquisitive, correct? It's perfectly okay to because what you're saying there, Dave, and it's it's right. You should show a genuine interest in why that mm, person is out of the position they are in, right? Yeah. Can I just ask, right? We've we've had three meetings. We've we had a wonderful demonstration that we had on day two. I then followed up with a proposal. We agreed in the last call this, this, and this. What's concern? What have I missed? Or what mm. what what have we not answered that is making you uncertain? Absolutely. And just put it back on their side of the Bounce call. Bounce it right back again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. And because generally we should be interested in why that person is. And if there's no substance coming back or no logical next layer to that answer, then we yeah. know it's a potential, right? We're coming to the end. Yeah. And I need to keep you on your toes and and, and just be disruptive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So be aware of good cop, bad cop. It's a difficult situation. Don't rise to it. Don't get disheartened. 
but just show a genuine interest into why that person is assuming the position they are assuming and ask, raise any issues or questions and, and be prepared to answer them again if necessary. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I guess there's a, uh, there's a point here as well that the, that the bad cop will probably be guilty of most of the other dirty tricks all at the same time. So one we haven't talked about yet, we'll talk about lowballing next. Yeah. The bad cop usually will be involved in some kind of lowballing. Yeah. Do you um, know what? It's the people who we all, it's the people people rope into meetings because they know they'll be blunt and direct and 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 say the things that other people driven by certain motivators wouldn't yeah, do, yeah, right? Absolutely. And uh and that's that's why sometimes they assume the position. Okay. So you talked about was it lowballing? Lowballing, yeah. Yeah, so lowballing is the fourth dirty trick for this podcast. It is for today. What, yeah. what is it? Well, it, it, it's it's absolutely a tactic. Um, uh, I've seen this occur many times in live negotiations, uh, and I think from from my perspective, it's never been poor negotiation uh, process or technique. It's always been done on purpose. Right. Um, very simply, lowballing. It can be around most issues, but I guess it's usually centered around price. It's the easiest one to lowball on. So, for example, if, if we're negotiating a price around just something nice and easy, 10 quid, um, you know, I'm at 10 quid, you're at nine quid, um, the, the bad cop will often come in and say, well, I'll tell you, I was four. And then straight away, it's very, very clear that that's a lowball offer because it's absolutely nowhere near either party of being dancing. So it's where someone just plucks a figure out the sky and says, this is a classic line, isn't it? Listen, we've only got a budget of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just that that limit has just surfaced yeah. right at the end of the yeah. deal, right? But Or we never pay more than Yeah, X. yeah. I, I literally have been approved to spend, so let's say the proposal's 10K and someone will just say, listen, I've only got 5K. Yeah. What can you do? Absolutely. It's a complete, it's miles away from where the deal miles stands. Away. And and you're and they're almost saying to you because they do they're very clever. The low ballers will say, "Listen, if you're willing to do a deal at five grand, I'll sign, I'll sign today. today. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll sign it today." Yeah, and the yeah. salesman in you or the saleswoman in you is going, "Oh, that's commission, right? Yeah, that's yeah. not what I wanted, but it gets me where I need to be. Do I do the deal? It's there, right? Absolutely. So we can easily get dragged into. Right, I'll go. And, let me go and have a word with my boss, or let me go back. Right." Low balling puts an enormous amount of pressure on a person because it dangles the carrot of absolutely. I've got something for you and we can do it now, yeah. but it's not nowhere near where you want it to be. Yeah. So what are your tips on this? It's day? the take it or leave it deal. It is. Yeah, it is. and that's another one of the dirty tricks that we won't talk about today, but we'll yeah. in, a, in a later podcast. Yeah. Well, well, again, I suppose you've got to bounce it right back to them. You've got to resist the temptation to either let the chimp loose. Uh, and to say you're insulting me, why are you even here? You've got to resist the temptation to laugh out loud, which I've seen before. Yeah. Um, you've just you've got, got to be to resist, calm. You've got to resist the temptation to take the deal as well, Dave, or to, or well, to insinuate. Yeah, because really. some salespeople yeah. or negotiators, they get caught up in that. And they, the minute you go, listen, let me run this past my boss, they, they, they've got you on the rack. You know, yeah. you, you've got, it's got to be a strong person to recognize that that deal is not right. And you either have to, you know, you are, you have to go back to the process of let me just recap here what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just recap what you need as a business, why it's so important, 
right? How my product or service is going to help you achieve this. Yeah. And if and if you're great and you're on your toes as a salesperson, if you know the total cost of ownership of your product or service, TCO, total cost of ownership means if you understand what it actually costs to deliver your product or service to the customer, mm. it, it makes it so much easier for you to go, do you know what, Dave? I would love to shake your hand, but I just physically can't yeah. for, these, for reasons. these reasons. Absolutely. And that's yeah. where great salespeople thrive when they ha- when they know the total cost of ownership of their product or service and it gives them. But yeah, you've got to resist all of the things you're saying mm. and you've got to try and have a bit of smarts and a bit of calm about you in this Yeah, moment. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And frequently I've heard this, and you might have heard this uh, expression as well. All right, listen, let's not waste any time. I'll give you my rock bottom offer. Nobody ever starts off on a rock bottom offer. Mm. If they start off at four and you need to be at 10, you know that it's a very simple lowballing technique and they're just trying their hand. Mm. They're trying to force you into a corner where you do a bad deal and potentially lose your job three months later because <laughs> mm. your boss has worked out that it's a really bad deal. Yeah. Um, or or the, the testing your resolve and the resistance to be able to say, hold on a minute, nah, we, we're nowhere near that. Mm. And that's not why we're in the room and you know that. So in a low-balling situation then, um, obviously the primary job is to try and defend our position at the price point we've we've come to based on the diligence we've done yep. and, and the product or service we're going to provide. The value, so, the value that we hold of our product and service, yeah. So the first port of call if you know your total cost of ownership and you know the value of your product or service and you've done the sales process right or whatever it might be, the first part of call is to hold your line. Re-establish, revisit, and replay what you've uncovered, what you've understood, and how your product and service is going to, and what the total cost of ownership of that is. However, let's just say you still get to a point where you've done all that and it's still not a flyer. They're still at the low ball offer. You've tried to hold your ground. Mm -hmm. Is there value still in saying, listen, I can't do that for you. Nowhere near it. But what I can do, what I could do could be this. Mm. And you maybe move a little bit on something, but you're still not transitioning anywhere close to the low ball. Is there, is there, because you know what it's like? Some buyers, negotiators want the pound of flesh. Sure. They have, Mm. procurement teams have to show some form of result when they're negotiating, right? Sure. So is it appropriate to give them something, give a low ball or mm. something mm. to show movement? Well, you say you say that, you know, they, they want to show a result, uh, and you're absolutely right, they should show a result, but not at the detriment of the other party. Yeah. You know, the, the, the there has to be value in the deal for both parties, and that's how you reach a mutually agreeable deal. Mm. But in terms of, of, of your first point, in terms of creating that movement and, you know, other things that we've talked about on the, the videos and stuff, uh, around how to create movement and how to break down single issues because they are intrinsically linked. I know we're using price here because price is probably one of the largest contentious yeah. issues. Uh, it's one of the issues that creates the most chaos mm. uh, and potentially the most separation back from where we are and you are. But very realistically, price connects directly to everything else. So if you've got 10 negotiable issues all of those issues will make up your final price, be it a, a buying or a selling price. So if you are so far away, say, for example, if I'm at 10 and you're still at four and we've gone through the other negotiable issues, we've negotiated, I've neg- negotiated down, you've neg- negotiated up a little bit, we've both conceded in certain areas, we've both traded effectively, and we're still at this stalemate of this low price and a higher price, then you absolutely have to consider 
your walkaway point. Yeah. Because it, the last thing you want to do is a Theresa May, which is no deal is better than a bad deal. <laughs> Very apt in 2019. <laughs> We've had enough of Brexit. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, and I guess to finish this hubcast, there'll be many people listening to this thinking, what? We're in sales. We can't walk away. We can't possibly walk away from a deal. Well, actually, you can. Right? Sometimes you have to. It's Sometimes crucial you to. can because it means that we need to we need to exit the situation. Mm. You know, have a debrief, go over the process, understand what we've missed. Have we missed anything? What's created this position, and then re-enter and go back in. Mm. Because it, the price point, the reason this is so important, and why Dave feels passionately about this, and I do, is is once you agree a price point for a product or service with a customer, it sets the precedent Absolutely. for the future. Yeah. And no matter how much they say to you, listen, it's only for year one. When I've got a bit more budget in year two, I'll, I'll revert back to your list price. It never works that way. No. Because you come to year two and they go, listen, Dave, loved working with you this year, loved your products and services, but I need you to hold the price for me. I can't get any more budget. And you're stuck, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So it sets the precedent. And that is why you're saying you have to have a walkaway point. Because you set a precedent of non-profitable business because you want to win the brand. And we've mm. seen organizations do this. Absolutely. Yeah. And they and yeah. they have sometimes hundred thousand pound contracts or million pound contracts that they don't make a penny on, mm. but it's because they want the flagship of the brand on uh, in the customer base. And it's just fo- it's fool's stuff, Absolutely. right? It's yeah. fool's business. Mm. So you have to have a walkaway point and you have to be willing, however disappointed it is to 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 execute that absolutely. if it's just not right. Mm. Sure, absolutely. You've got to protect your brand, your product, your service, your business. And when all said and done, you know, I want to be able to be employed to go into another negotiation with a different company that does value our product and service. And if this one isn't the one, then we have to maintain mm. our integrity and, and move and, on. And as a byproduct of that, you call the bluff. Because if they did want to procure it and it was just a negotiating tactic mm. to get the pound of flesh, they'll come back to you later. Someone's going to be on the hook when when it doesn't happen. Correct. Because now the potential mm. supplier's walked away. Mm. So you will always potentially drive an outcome by by the walk away as well. Absolutely. You know, it's a brave yeah. thing to do. Yeah. But it's 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 happened many a time. Right, cool. Listen, let's just recap those four things, Dave, just for the just for the um, listeners. So it was four dirty tricks of negotiation. Yep. We might have to jump back on and do another one and, and share some more. <laughs> yeah. The first one was yeah. higher authority. Yes. Where lastminute.com is dropped on you that someone else has to sign this off or make the decision. I'm not the decision maker. My boss is. Yeah, and you yeah. talked about a couple of techniques there. The second one was add-ons. Mm. I'll do the deal if you'll do this for me, or can I have an extra yeah. few of these, or can I have extended payment terms, or can you just throw in an extra couple of whatever it might be? Absolutely. Think about that. Don't be rushed into it because what seems like is a is a no problem add-on in that instant, on reflection, could blow an entire hole in your cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, then you've got good cop, bad cop, where you've got one person playing that I'm keen, let's procure, and I love everything about it, and you've got the other one being very tricky, asking questions, throwing negativity in there, etc. Yeah. Um, don't rise to it. Don't let your chimp out. Correct. Don't don't lower your tone of voice. Yeah. Bounce don't, it back. Don't ask for rationale. Don't come, become defensive. You know, ask for rationale. You know, ask questions. Ask second level questions. Ask for understanding of why they feel like they are in the position they are in, and let's see if there's any substance behind that. Absolutely. And the last one was low ballers. Low ball. Right. We're ready to do the deal, Dave. I know you've you've submitted ten grand. Right, I've got five grand budget. If you do it for five grand, I'll sign today. Right, that yeah. that complete yeah. low baller. <laughs> yeah, and 
the first protocol there is to defend your position, re-communicate the value add, the value proposition, what you've understood their issue or problem or opportunity is, how your products and services is going to deliver that, and are you missing anything? Correct. You know, if you can't hold your position, if you concede, what does that look like? Make it sensible. But if we, if you're going nowhere, it's the one, the low baller one is going to be the one that makes you walk away. Absolutely. Your yeah. walk away position. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right, Dave, fascinating. That was 27 minutes. Loved it. Let's uh, let's be back shortly with some more negotiation uh, techniques and a hubcast. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, Dave. No worries. Right, we'll see you soon. Take it easy.